0: Hello and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Dana Osman, here with my friend Chabruta and Gordon, our DAF today, Masaki Kidushin Daf Lamed Bet, page thirty-two. Well, we're continuing our discussion about Kiburavaim. Um, and a lot of what the staff is going to do with is create different scenarios to see how expansive is this mitzvah, right? Like how many, you know, in all different ways, how do we have to do kibutava aim? And in Amman Al, there's a very interesting discussion um, that takes place between Rav Yitzchakal and his children. So Rav Yitzchakal says, Rav Yitzchakal was teaching his son Rami a mishnah. It's a mishnah that takes place in Sanhedrin. So let's say you have a group of people who are condemned to get capital punishment. Some of them are supposed to be burned. Some are supposed to be stoned. And they get mixed up with each other. So you don't know who's supposed to be burned and who's supposed to be stoned. Rabbi Shimon says they all should be stoned because burning is a more severe punishment uh, than stoning, right? So the there's, you know, four different types of, of capital punishment. Skila, which is stoning. Shrifa, which is burning. Perig, which is decapitation. Chinek, which is strangulation. And really, you um, you should only be, you should only get the type of capital punishment uh, that you should get. So the idea is, is that if you were not supposed to get a more severe type, which is burning, so everybody will just get stoning in this group. Now, Amr le'i Rabbi Yehuda Borei. So Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Hezkel's other son, comes to him and says, Don't teach the mishnah this way. In other words, he's questioning him and saying, I think you're actually teaching this Mishnah incorrectly. My Srefa Why does Rabbi Shimon say that burning is more severe than stoning? Typically, deruba diruba niskelem Right, uh, the the same ruling should come from the fact the majority of them are to be stoned. In other words, if w- the principle that we always have in halacha is that when we have a mixture of something, we define it by what the rove is, what the majority of it is. So when Rabbi Shimon says that burning is more severe than stoning, who cares, right? Even if burning was equal, if the entire group was basically all people who should get stoning, and there was only one person who should get burning, you should do stoning because that was the majority. And so, what he's saying is, it doesn't make a difference which punishment is more severe. It should really just go by the majority. So, review huda therefore gives a different version of what the Mishnah could be read as. Right? This is how it should be read. Right? it is that if the crimp, right? That if there are criminals who are to be stoned became mixed in a group of those to be burned. Because in other words, the first version that he said was Hanisrafim Baniskalim, right? Criminals who are to be burned were mixed in with a group of those to be stoned. So it looks like the majority is those to be uh, those to be stoned. Whereas the way that he reversed it, Haniskalim Banisrafim, it looks like the majority is those to be burned. And therefore Rav Shimon's opinion actually makes sense, because you're saying you're not going to follow by the majority, you're going to go by which is the less severe. Now, this is also going to be challenged. Amr le, Rabbi Hezkel, then says to Rabbi Yehuda, "E if that's the correct version of the Mishnah, then look at the second part of the Mishnah. Er shaskela, shaskela chamura. right? That actually, everybody should be condemned to burning, because stoning is more severe. So, He's basically saying to his son, Rav Yehuda, what you said doesn't really make sense because the Chachamim say that stoning is actually what's more severe, right? So then you would have the reverse thing. Then why do you have to teach them stoning is more severe? Typically, right? it's the same ruling because in other words, the majority, if you switch the order that way that you say it's. People condemned to stoning, or in a group of people condemned to burning, then again, you, should, it, it, you shouldn't you should need to teach this at all because it would be obvious that you're just going by the majority. So Rev Yehuda defends this. Amr says to his father, right? In this second part of the Mishnah, the Chachamim are responding to the argument of Rabbi Shimon, right? Where they're basically saying, yes, everybody actually should be sentenced to burning, right? Because burning is, you know, is the majority of this mixed group. But when you say that that burning is actually more severe, actually that's not true. So they're not actually talking about who which group is the majority. It's more that they're just arguing with Rabbi Shuman's point that actually, you know, skila is more severe than burning. So, okay, so there is this discussion between them and then Shmuel comes along. Amr LeShmuel of Yehuda. So Shmuel now says to Rav Yehuda, "Shinana lo temalei la'avuach hachi." He says, "Sharp one, you don't speak to your father like that, right?" In other words, he didn't like the Rav continued to challenge his father. D'Tanya, he quotes a phrase here: "Haresha Ya'aviv over al dibrei Torah." Let's say somebody's father is violating a, a law in the Torah. Al yomarlo, you don't say to him, "Ava abarta al dibrei Torah." You, you you don't say father, you violated a law of the Torah. Instead you say this is how it's written in the Torah. It's a very beautiful difference here, right? Like the idea is, is that you don't say you are doing something wrong. You just say, did you know it's in the Torah? Like it's a way of sort of redirecting the parent, but not outright uh, uh, correcting them. Uh, now the Gemara uh, you know, uh, sort of Ask about this, kaf katu Torah, okay, right? Okay, but even if you say this is what's written in the Torah, it's still going to distress your father. It's still going to make him upset. It's really the same thing. So the Gemara answer is Ella omer lo. What the Bryce is saying is abba mikra katuba Torah ka. You should say, father, this is the pasuk that's in the Torah and then you quote the pasuk that says what what the prohibition is about whatever the father's behavior is, right? So the son therefore makes no direct connection between the pasuk and the father's behavior. He allows the father to basically deduce this by himself, right? So he just says, did you know that this is a pasuk in the Torah? You don't actually say to the father, did you know there's a pasuk in the Torah that talks about what you're doing? Um, and so I think it's interesting to see that, first of all, what we do have a concept of the tohacha, of giving view. <coughs> That clearly does not apply to our parents. And not only that, that if we do see our parents doing something, we need to do it in a very, very, very gentle way.
1: Think that we have here, you know, a whole lot of Gemara to get to, to make the point, right? Like we got to delve into all these different approaches to to the death sentence and so on, which, you know, it's its own discussion and to be found elsewhere. just to give the rebuke, right? To say that's not how you talk to your father. I find that also to be a really important, you know, um demonstration of how primary this mitzvah is and how what to what, what great lengths we're gonna go to try to make sure that we're doing it right. Meaning the Gemara, the editing of the Gemara makes the point that this is a big deal.
0: Right. And I also think that um, you know, I love how they illustrated it with this story. They could have you know, but I love that they do it in the context of that story. I I think is is, is just fabulous.
1: Okay, I'm moving on. I'm at the very bottom of Ahmed If I'm heading on to Ahmed Bet. We have Elazar Ben Mate Omer, Abba Omer Hashkini Mayim. Right. If your father says, Give me water, we need to give the father water, o mitzvah right? So then you have the E-Mitzvah, the honor your parents mitzvah. But may near kiburaba, the o HaMitzvah mitzvah now here's the issue. There's another mitzvah that needs to be done at that time, right? I'm sorry. That's that's how it should be read, right? The father says, "Give me water." mitzvah There's another mitzvah happening at that same time that should be done. Now, what are you supposed to do? You've got a conflict. You have the kibud v'emet mitzvah, and you have the whatever the other mitzvah is that needs that same time. So the gemara concludes here. If you know, if both the father well, the real issue is that you can set aside the mitzvah of the v'aim for the sake of other mitzvot, especially when the father is also, shaniva both of you are obligated to do that mitzvah. If you get someone else to do the other mitzvah, let's say it's, I don't know, visiting the sick, right? So you get someone else to do it so that you can do the, the kiburah v'aim, the, the honoring your parents' mitzvah. Right? He'll go and he'll take care of his father. I'm Rav Ki Isi Huda. and we have uh we don't always have this right where the Gemara Paskins like kind of definitively um yes, you know in the event that you have a conflict between a different mitzvah and uh, an honoring parents mitzvah you you can set aside the honoring parents, but if you can find someone else to take care of the other one, that is the way to go okay now what happens next though is what happens and I think it's really here because it's against quoting Rav matana. Matana, right? That so the the Gamar gives two pieces of Gemar, of of Halacha in his name. Amar Parshela, Amar Matana, kvodo Machol And this is really the part that I'm most interested in, right? Where a father who says, No, no, it's fine, right? He's gonna he's gonna forego the honor that is due to him, they tell his children, no no, it's fine, then kvodo it actually works. He's allowed to um you know. He's allowed to not accept the honor that is his due. However, if a rabbi says, you know, also don't don't worry about me, you know, don't stand up when I come to the room, don't worry about bringing me water when I just ask for water, whatever it is. The rab's, um honor, the rabbi's honor, is not. Um, it doesn't work. He can't. He can't deny it. He can't let go of it. I've always understood this to be because it's not really his honor, right? The rabbi's honor is really the Torah's honor. So. When you, he's a, he doesn't get to say, no more honor over here. Oh, I, no, I'm fine, right? Um, but Rav Yosef has a caveat. Rav Yosef, he wants to say, even the Rab, Rav Yosef's position is that even the Rabbi who forgoes his honor, it is forgone. Why? Because we have this verse where we talk about God going before the people of Israel in Exodus, right, as they're leaving. That God himself, meaning God was the teacher of the Jewish people, and he was, you know, guiding everybody, right? So that's K'vod he, he was able to kind of be one of the people, so to speak, which, of course, is a ludicrous statement since we're talking about God. But the example is to show that he wasn't standing on the ceremony, so to speak. So Reva says, how can you compare this, right? As I've just said, right? HaTam Alma V'Torah Dilehi <laughs> he says you're talking about God, the world is his, the Torah is his and that's why he can forego his honor meaning everything is his. he gets to make those decisions. the rest of us not so much right Torah <laughs> but here it's the the it's God's Torah, right How can the teacher forego the honor? <laughs> and Rava says further Torah <laughs> dilehi, if he studies the Torah, he learns the Torah it's his Torah. So then you can say, well, it's God's Torah, but also the person who's learning it, it becomes that person's Torah. Um, and, you know, theoretically, then that would be the answer to say he can actually negate the honor. But the Gemar says, is that really so? And this is a great, great piece of Agarita where they have this party. It's a wedding celebration. Um, he is rather serving drinks at the wedding of his son of Papa So he pours a cup one for Rav Papa and one for Rav Huna, the son of Rav Yeshua, And then they stand. They stand as he comes close to them, meaning they're standing to give him honor, right? But didn't he just pour them? Didn't he just serve them? You know, where's the honor? LaRav Chista and then he pours a cup, likewise, for Rav Mari and for Rav Pinchas, the son of Rav Chista, and they do not stand before him. Ikpid ikpad. So then Rav gets angry. You know, he's he's a little bit offended. V'amar hanu rabbanan. rabbanan. He says, are these, these sages, you know, Rav Mari and Rav Pinchas, they're sages. And then there are those sages, the ones who actually stood up. Are they not sages? Meaning... Why do you think, Rav Ma'ar and Rav Pinchas, that you get to not stand up when the others did stand up? They should all be in the same boat with regard to Rav himself, who was really among the greats. Um, and likewise, we've got another story here of Rav Papa serving drinks to the guests and what happens there. So then Rav Ashi wants to make a, a st- establish a principle. even according to the one, and we know that it was Rav Yosef, right? The, that the rabbi who wants to Forgo the honor that is due him. In fact, that honor is foregone. Even according to that person, that says the rabbi can do that, a president or the prince, really, if he's due honor, when he's due honor, he is due honor, he cannot negate it. He cannot forego whatever is due him. So we have a story, again, which involves Rebbe Lezer, Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Tzadok, and they're at the wedding of Rabban Gamliel's son. Gamliel, And he's serving drinks. It's really interesting to me that the that the father of the of the wedding child, right, is the one serving the drinks. natlo So he gives the cup to Rebbe Lezer, and Rebbe Lezer doesn't want it. He doesn't accept it. He gives it he takes it, I guess, and he gives it to Rabbi Yeshua, or maybe Rabbi Gamliel gave it to Rabbi Yeshua, and he accepted it. Amar Rabbi Lazar, says to him, what, "What are you? accepting this drink from, Rabbi Gamliel?" Ani Rabbi Gamel, Gamliel, baribi He says, What well, we're sitting, and you're going to let Rabbi Gamliel like stand over there and serve us drinks like that. That does not sit well with him at all." Um, and then the example and the, the reason, I guess, it gets presented in this way and that Rabbi Gamliel himself was willing to do it and so on is the example of Avraham. Avraham Avinu, right, the patriarch in the Torah, when he gets up and he goes and runs and serves his guests and so on. I mean, they turn out to be angels, but he didn't know that at the time. So if Avraham can serve, can't Rabbi Gamaliel also serve? And so we have this kind of play, interplay between um, when you're supposed to give respect or honor in these formalistic kinds of ways to, you know, to a parent, to a teacher, to the nasi, to the prince, right? Um, and and when that person can say, no, no, I'm going to, I'm I'm foregoing it for the sake of this other thing that I care about doing more, in this case, let's say playing host at the party.
0: Uh, look, it's interesting to see this whole idea of being mochel on your kabob, right? Like, and and I feel like this is a very practical Gemara. Like we do see these types of scenarios as well. You'll hear stories about rabbis where, you know, they were they tried to do something so you didn't give them the right covode. Um, but it's interesting to see like they're not just cute stories in the Gemara. It's a topic that's taken actually seriously.
1: I think also there's a difference in different eras, right? Like we now live in a very a fairly casual era. So there's a lot of first names, certainly amongst adults and that kind of thing. Whereas I think, and I'm making up, you know, somebody, one of our co-learners will know more precisely the history of this, but I feel like if you go back to the Victorian era, let's say, or sometime when things were much more formal, then, and everybody stood up when, when, you know, the woman stands and all the men in the room stand up, right? Like, it's a different thing. It's a different issue, but it was a much more formal time. And I think the idea of foregoing an honor would have been much more dramatic nowadays, like, sit sit, it's fine, you know, is, I think, more the norm.
0: Uh, yeah, I completely and totally hear that. I think, right, like that we don't live in a formal society and this is like of a time of real formality. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Mm -hmm. Time with Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. (music) Thank <music> you.